Hello listeners and welcome to Babel. Today we have an interview between New York Times journalist and author Monica Corcoran-Harrell and award-winning social entrepreneur Suzanne Noble. They babble about how ageism is changing, starting a business in your 50s and how much fun getting older actually is, especially if you don't care. Hi, Suzanne. Hello, Monica. <laughs> what are you doing? Most recently, I launched a newsletter called Pretty Right. And I'll tell you why. It's for women around 45 and older. And I've been a magazine journalist for over 20 years. And I've always written about women's issues and culture, beauty, fashion, feminism. And I found as I got closer to 45 and pitched stories that were relevant to my age group and my peers, editors said, I love that idea, but our readership skews more to like 37. And I hit a point where I thought, well, where the hell do women, once they hit 45, go to get contact? Content, excuse me. And I realized a lot of women were texting me. And I became sort of this Confucius to midlife women, like, oh, you know, I had some night sweats last night. Can you help me? And I would text back, I am not an MD, but I suggest you see this person. And there are some, you know, natural remedies that you might want to look up. And I just thought to myself, I want to write to women my age. I don't want to be aged out of media and I don't want my peers to be aged out of media. So I launched Pretty Right and it's a lifestyle newsletter and I I cover a lot of science and always interested in the science behind our behavior as human beings. So there's some of that. And I cover beauty and fashion and um, just biological biological changes that are happening happening to women too. Cool. I mean, I I, I started Advantages of Age, which is an online magazine based out of a very similar feeling. And maybe it's just something that we all as, you know, older getting getting older women share is that the media's representation of us as little as there is of it let's face it there's not a lot but what there is is generally negative and the more I started looking into how that impacted on how we feel about ourselves the more I realized that what was being reflected back at me wasn't particularly helpful you know sagging this and no sex that and you know blah blah you know it's all crap and forget about it because you might as well I mean I remember once um actually it was a journalist I was surprised telling me and this was during my 40s when I was having a lot of sex and she said to me why don't you just make soup why are you not just at home making soup (laughs) I thought why why should I be making soup? And why as a fellow, you know, person of my gender, <laughs> are you suggesting that I should be making soup? But I, I felt that that analogy or that sort of feeling about that we should just, you know, put on our slippers and retire was, wasn't the way that myself and my friends who similarly were writers and journalists and PR people, we all, we all felt the same way. So similar feelings going on, right. In the, on the Pacific side and on the, on the, you know, yeah. the sort of side. I have to say, I mean, I live in Los Angeles, which is probably an arguably, in arguably the most ageist place as people would say. But what I have found is that all the women who maybe didn't want to reveal their age at one point have come up and they're at a level of success now where they're really owning it. I'm actually working on an article right now for 
a magazine called The Hollywood Reporter, which covers the entertainment industry, just about success after 50, because I sold my first screenplay at 51 to Netflix, and it's a story of middle-aged women. And I, I feel like there's this, this assumption that there's an expiration date, not just for actresses, and it might be more real for them, frankly, but for writers, for directors, for executives. And um, it's changing. It's changing as women um, grow older in the ranks, which is encouraging, but I think a lot of people don't know that. Yeah, I mean, what I say is that I, in the world of tech startups that, and that world that I inhabit, it's still very, very rare, almost impossible to get any form of like venture capital investment. It just, it's, mm -hmm. you know, I could probably count on one hand the number, maybe even one finger, number of people over 50 in their 50s that have been able to raise investment in that way. So there still are areas of, of you know, of, of society where we, I feel quite excluded and I recognize that while the aging society is now becoming a thing, you know, people are starting to talk about the fact that there's right. going to be more older people in the world and younger people. And how is that going to impact on all sorts of, you know, areas, whether it's affordable housing or getting a job or, you know, making money in later life or whatever it happens to be, people are now starting to work out that, that is actually going to become quite a significant problem that we need to work out. So I think that what I've seen in the past five years since I've been working on this is that at the beginning, people really just didn't even want to be part of the conversation. They just right. were like, yeah, so uninteresting, whatever. And a lot of women said, I don't need to tell people my age. Thank you very much. I have it hard enough. I'm not going to tell anybody my ages. One of my friends was in the film industry and she's like, if I tell people I'm over 50, forget about it. Forget about it. No, I'm not going to get hired as a director. Nothing. Right. But now I'm feeling that there's people are starting to own it. But right. only, recently, only just recently, I have to say. I, I absolutely agree. And I mean, I think, for instance, the woman who heads Amazon is 55. And I've noticed in articles, she will name check her age in an article, which definitely didn't happen five or even 10 years ago. I used to work at InStyle magazine and we interviewed celebrities. And I remember an instance where I interviewed an actress and she told me her age. And then I spoke with her publicist afterward. And she said, she told me, I believe she was like, 36. She said, oh, she's 32. I said, well, she told me she's 36 in the interview. She doesn't know her age. I mean, that was how pervasive this aging down culture was. And I, you know, a couple of years ago, both Jennifer Aniston and Jennifer Lopez had very public 50th birthday parties. The Daily Mail was there, of course, getting shots. And granted, we're not all Jennifer Aniston or Jennifer Lopez. They have a degree of wealth. They've got a lot of advantages. But the fact that they're putting their age out there and celebrating it, I think is a really great message for women who have felt like, I'm 42 again, the person who just keeps celebrating the same birthday. And for me personally, you know, I have a daughter who's 10 and I don't want her at age 40 or 50 or 60 to feel compelled to lie about her age or feel just uncomfortable or ashamed about that. And the only way that's going to happen is if 
you know, women like us are upfront about our age and not attach any emotion to it. It's just a natural part of life. We're just all getting older. It's happening to everyone. My daughter's aging too at the moment, you know? So uh, one of the first people that really got me into this whole thing, and I'm sure you're familiar with her, was um, Ashton Applewhite, who wrote a book called This Share Rocks, A Manifesto Against Aging. And she gave an amazing TED Talk. And I, and I just sort of had to search her out and then read her book. And, you know, she talks about aging as the last social prejudice because, you know, it is the last, we are, we are all aging as you acknowledge, but I, we are prejudiced against ourselves. That's what's so crazy yeah. about it, right? <laughs> is, that, is that none of us are, are going to stop aging unless science produces some miracles, which God knows they're trying to, but you know, it is, it is a ridiculous prejudice, an absolutely ridiculous prejudice, but it's one that over the years I've come to recognize and realize that there's certain, you know, there's certain aspects of it I just have to kind of deal with. And there's certain parts of it that I just think, oh, screw you. I'm not going to do that. That's ridiculous. I mean, for um, pre-pandemic, my hair was mainly pink and I remember the first time I did it, my son just sort of groaned and went, <laughs> uh, you're not going to do that, are you? And I went, yeah, I am going to do it, actually, because I suppose one of the things I noticed when I turned 50, which I hadn't expected, because in my 40s, I was very much like high heels every day, sexy little skirts totally horny all the time and just, just running around, getting laid, having fun. And then <laughs> when I hit 50 and I was going out with a, a much younger guy who's nearly 20 years younger than me. And then the menopause hit me like a ton of bricks. And I just didn't really expect it, if I'm really honest. I didn't expect right. that kind of you know, the hot flushing. And suddenly I started feeling very invisible and I didn't like it. <laughs> and, it right. took, and it took me quite a while to get used to it. And also I did things like dye my hair pink, which I will return to because I didn't want to be invisible. Mm-hmm. I mean, some women I've met love it. They're so happy to be invisible now. They're just like, yay, thank God. I don't have to deal with any of that attention anymore. And I can right. just do whatever the hell I want. But, you know, I think for, I don't know how you feel, because, you know, clearly you're moving into that space as well. But it is it is a challenge. I felt it was a challenge anyway. I feel like when I walk into a restaurant, and not recently, obviously, due to COVID, but, and I look around at tables and see who's having the most fun. It's typically women 40 and over sitting together, laughing their asses off. And there's a comfort level and there's a support level and they're just having a ripping time. That's always been my barometer of where do I want to be? I look in a restaurant, that couple does not look happy. Those 20-something girls look like they might be having a fight. Maybe they're in a toxic relationship. I was certainly in those in my 20s. So all that to say, I hear what you're saying about invisibility. My take on that is, 
I feel like I'm more visible to people who are more important to me now. Like, for instance, yes, if I walk into a party, I may not turn heads from younger men or younger women if that's who I want to attract. But like, I find the cool women in the corner and the cool men. And I don't know that I did that before. So I feel like I may be invisible to certain people. But when I think about it at the end of the day, I don't know that I really need their attention. The people that I want to attract seem to notice me now. And I think it's because I'm more comfortable with who I am. I laugh a lot. I like to have a good time. I mean, I'm sort of a magnet for someone else who wants to have fun in life. And I can't say that I've always been that person. I really thank age for that and experience. And don't you agree? Don't you? I mean, I can tell you're fun. I would see you in a restaurant and I would want to meet you. So I would definitely say that one of the things I noticed in starting Advantages of Age, because one of the things that I did at the very start of that was thanks to a, an internet marketing guy, he said, just start a Facebook group. So I started this Facebook group and there's now like 4,000 people on it. And they're very feisty and very fun. And I've met, God knows how many, I've lost count of amazing people, 99% of whom are women. So I would say that what has happened as I've gotten older is that my friendships with women have deepened. They've become more important to me. When I was young, when I was in my 40s, I was all over guys and I was kind of, I, was, I probably wasn't the best girlfriend if I'm really honest. But now I think I'm a pretty good girlfriend and to girls. And I think that my, I know that my friendships with women have become super important to me mainly because as you said, they laugh a lot and they're lighthearted and they're sort of, and they, and they want to have a good time. And I can't say the same thing about older guys as mm -hmm. you know. And I feel, sometimes I feel for them because I'm like, you poor, sad, older white men, right? Because you had all <laughs> the privilege, get all the privilege through your whole life. And then suddenly you get a bit older and your dick stops working as well as it used to. And you look down at your stomach and you can't see your toes. And oh my God, welcome to the world we've been inhabiting our entire right. life. Right. Up and down. We had a period. We didn't have a period. We got right. pregnant. We did <laughs> whatever we did, right? It was just woo, woo, woo. <laughs> And suddenly guys are just like, whoa, whoa, what's happening to me? What's happening to me? And they don't handle it very well in the majority. So mainly, I don't know that many men anymore. And, and I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. It just is the thing that it is. You know, I, yeah, I see exactly what you're saying. My husband is actually pretty fun. and. Yeah. <laughs> I, but I do feel like for men, I think what's lacking is camaraderie. And we have that. And I know we make less than men on the dollar. And there's certainly other disadvantages. But I will forever, ever, ever be thankful for being a woman and for all the advantages that come with it. To just say in the newsletter, uh, pretty right, I recently wrote about um, the apocalypse. And there have been studies that show that women would actually survive an apocalypse are more likely than men. And it is because we form these little minor micro communities and we share information and we support each other. And men are just so dogged about going out and saving the world on their own and getting all the credit for it that they, they don't operate that way, um, which is a shame. 
But on top of that, I found another study whereby women said they thought, you know, 39% of women said that they were likely to survive a week after the apocalypse. 65% of men said they were more likely to survive. So what we're seeing there is women are actually more capable. And yet our perspective of ourselves is, oh, well, we probably would die in a week or a couple of days. And men, on the other hand, think they're actually not as likely, but they think I could survive this thing for months. So it's just so interesting what science bears out and what perspective bears out. And that's what we promote. It's less the science that gets out there. It's what women believe about themselves and share with each other. So that's always interesting to me. But yeah, I think men, look, men in Hollywood right now, there are a lot less jobs for white men. And, you know, it's it's a reckoning and it's an evening out. It's an even playing field or it's getting there. And I'm thankful, but I think there are a lot of displaced grumpy men. Yeah, completely. Yeah, and I, and you know, it, it comes full circle, doesn't it, with how we, how the media sees us, how we see ourselves is, you know, they are interconnected and it's, and the same stat that, that is about women not surviving a similar stat around, you know, women not having, not believing they're eligible for a job unless they know 85% of the job and men not believing that yeah. they're eligible for a job unless they know like 15% or something like that. Right. Of the job. There's so many different scientific studies that bear out the fact that the way we see ourselves and perceive ourselves is not, you know, is so different from how men yes. see themselves. But, but yet when it comes to aging, for me, I just think that women just seem to have the upper hand with it, despite the fact that it is challenging and we have all this, you know, stuff that's going on in our bodies and we're all dealing with it in different ways. It just seems like having those connections and having the communities that we're both building is so much a part of helping them through and on this journey that, you know, I, I just don't see the same vehicles for men. And I think that there's a place for them, but yeah, they just, they just don't seem to want to acknowledge except privately and to themselves that these changes are happening to them too. Because aging is a is a journey that we're all, as we said, going on. So I don't yeah. I don't know what we can do about that. Yeah. I love what you said. I think there are so many studies like that veering away from men. They're gonna figure it out. They should really just go out together more often. Men should be going on walks. That's what we should be seeing right now. They can, you know, bond. But there are so many studies like that. And you talked about your tech startup. I mean, you know, women over 50, I had read, are like, I feel like it was like 43% more likely to be successful launching business than women in their 30s. And I see women over 50 saying, I don't know what to do. I couldn't start a business now. I'm too late. And I think, no, you've got confidence now. You've got contacts that you've accumulated. And you probably have a little bit of capital but women don't realize this. And I think it's great. I'm going to pat myself and you on the back. Now that's going to work. That we're, we're getting that message out there because the more women who hear it, the more um, enabled they will feel and encouraged to look at getting older in a different way. I mean, I'm really psyched. I've never been happier. I mean, you seem very happy too. I, I, I can't think of a time in my life where I felt quite so happy 
and 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 yeah, aging has its thorns, but you know, the rose is definitely bigger, brighter, and better than other decades for me personally. I well, I think my cohort of of advantages of age women express it best when we ask them, you know, what's so great about getting older? And most of them says the um, ability to not give a fuck. Yes, yes, it's so true. And that I think is what makes us all quite relaxed and quite happy because there does come a point where you just think, I don't care what you think. I don't care if you approve anymore, disapprove. I honestly don't care. And that freedom from giving a shit is so yeah. It's so true. It's so great, right? Even um, even though when I looked at myself, photographing myself for my oyster card today, I thought my hairline was receding into the middle of my head and my nose was taking on the shape of my father's. But it's okay. <laughs> okay, I can deal with that. It's okay. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Ten years ago, if I walked in a party and got snubbed, I would think, oh, what's wrong with me? Now, if I walk into a party post-COVID, and get snubbed, I'll think, what's wrong with you? You're missing out. And it's such a great flip. I'm curious. I'd love a little assistance from you because clearly you have built a brand. And I'm in the midst of doing that with Pretty Ripe. I mean, I try to post on Instagram. I'm getting more and more subscribers. But what's your best advice for someone who's trying to build a brand? I would say that that obviously, See, the more like any like any product or service, the more you understand your customers and your community, the more you can solve their problems and help them. Right. So I think that one of the things that definitely was the game changer for us was starting the Facebook group. I wouldn't say that necessarily doing face going on Facebook is the way anymore, because one of the challenges of that is trying to monetize and everything is a completely different story. And it is quite challenging. So, but I would say that, um, that having that community, which was giving me constant feedback all the time about where their interests and issues lie, lie was the big, was the big one because I know those people, right? I really know them. I know I know them because they speak to me every single day via that group and I, I'm constantly getting feedback from them. So I'm constantly seeing, you know, one of the challenges. And as you said, one of the things about starting over again with your career as, a, as an older person is that very often you think that you're past it. You think you have no value. You think, who would want me? Oh, I don't know how to use Instagram. I'm going to fail immediately. Right. And so one of the reasons why Startup School for Seniors was created was because we saw that programs that were aimed at the general public or a younger demographic didn't meet the needs of older people who had lived experience. They had wisdom. They had all sorts of networks, all the stuff that you need to build but what they didn't have was any self-esteem. They didn't, they didn't, they felt a great sense of shame because many of them had lost their jobs, you know, either because of COVID or just in the general scheme of things when middle management who tend to be older tend to lose their jobs. And 
They didn't know where to turn to next. And we gave them that place that they could go to where they could, where they could look around and go, whoa, whoa, there's people here that look like me, people telling stories that I can relate to. So I think, you know, for, for any brand or any business to start it, to start, it really is about, it really is about getting to grips with the problem that you're solving for your customers, which in your case are your readers. You know, do they love beauty stories more than they love stories about the apocalypse? Do they want to read more about fashion? Do they, you know, what is it that they feel they're missing in their lives that you can, uh, you know, create for them and fill in those, those, those gaps, right? And, and we know that, that women are, they want to tell you. So it's not like they don't want to tell you (laughs) if you just ask them. (laughs) You know, like right. what would you like me to have more of here? It's like, oh, I'd love to, you know, in our case, what we found was people wanted to connect. They wanted to meet more people like them. They wanted more opportunities to go to events, to hang out together, to do stuff together. So uh, the initial impetus for it really was driven mainly by connecting people through actual real activities. But, you know, right. That's exactly what I, once things open up again, I'm trying to build community digitally because exactly as you said, you know, women, the women, I, my subscribers definitely have opinions and I've created some forums for them on Instagram. But once we can all get together, I'll be so excited for, and now I know certain women who have reached out to me have issues that I could, you know, place with other women so that they could discuss some of these issues. Yeah. Well, thank you for that great advice. And I encourage people to go and visit your site and please come and sign up for my newsletter at prettyright.com and let's change the world. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Have fun and we can. Thank you for tuning into Babble today. Whether it's your first time or you've been here since the start, we're so happy to have you and hope you enjoy the arts and literature interviews available. This is a free platform to project the voices of those starting out and those who've spent years journeying to this point in their career. From the new to the renowned, the 60-year-old debut novelist to the 20-year-old musician, we want to babble with everyone. So get in touch if this is you or if you'd like to do some interviewing yourself. You'll find us on Twitter at babbleshow underscore on Instagram at Babble Show and on www.babbleshow.com.